just the, it's just so amazing. If you weren't here last week to hear, we actually were able to, with our fundraiser from Krispy Kreme and other fundraisers and other offerings, able to make sure that all of the 32 people going to camp are all completely paid for. We haven't had to ask any parent to pay any money because God brought it all in through your giving in our fundraisers. So we are just so, so thankful to the generosity of that. We actually have about $1,800 or something towards next year. So we're just, God has just blown us away. So starting in two weeks on the 20, or three weeks on the 27th, I'm going to start a series for the rest of the summer on the book of James. How many of you like the book of James? The book of James is kind of like the New Testament form of Proverbs. It's just got tons of wisdom and little nuggets. And James has always been one of my favorite books. Of course, I was named after the book of James, maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. But, uh, but James, actually, the, the, the original name in the Greek is Jacobos, which is where we have the modern name James, but it really comes from Jacob. And I'm going to be talking about why do we have to go through suffering and difficulty and testing and trials. That's a big chunk of James. We're going to talk about how do we as a body relate to one another with the differences in um, social, economic, and other, other you know, the poor and the, and the rich and all those different things. How can we be a body together when we have so many differences individually? And how do we relate to that, relate to one another? We're going to talk about some of those different categories. Uh, faith versus works. You know, that so many people get either trapped in either legalism or license. Legalism being where you're just trying to keep the rules and perform. You end up in performance Christianity Versus license, which is where there's grace so I can do anything I want and God will forgive me. See those two extremes there. So we're going to talk about what James has to say about that, which is a lot. And it's going to be a a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to doing a a series on James. So that's going to go through uh, starting the last week of June and July and August. And I doubt I'm going to be able to get it all done. I'll have to cut some things out, I'm sure. Okay, let's go ahead and start this morning. So today we're going to look at, we're kind of in a transition. Actually, um, there'll be a little bit more on family and marriage coming down the pike a little bit, but because um, Terry's going to bring a message and uh, Joe and Ananda Peters are going to come back on July 4th and bring a message. But um, today I want to do kind of a transition. I feel like God spoke to me again and gave me a message for this morning from Psalm 33. Remember last week, the Lord gave me that word resilience. Resilience. Again, resilience is when something, when you punch something, it snaps back, like a pillow or a mattress or a person. And they snap back to their original healthy state. A resilient person is a person that can take punishment, can take uh, abuse, can take trial, can take failure, and keep coming back. They have a flexibility. And so my message last Sunday was all about that. If you have not watched it or listened to it on either our Facebook page or our, our uh, website, you can listen to it as well as watch it. You can play it on Bluetooth in your car if you've got that going. And, um, and it kind of today's message, I feel like, fits perfectly kind of to follow up on that. Psalm 33, if you've got your Bible handy-dandy, I thought it would be fun this morning 
to uh, read the psalm out loud first before we do anything else. So if you have a phone or a Bible, turn to Psalm 33, and um, I bet you we have at least um, seven or eight different versions in our, in our house today. Everybody's got different Bibles. So tell me what, what Bible are you reading? I know Brett and Dale have got KJV, the old good old KJV. I've got a, uh, I think it's an NIV or no, no, New King James, I think this one is. What else are people reading? Amplified. Oh, that'll take you half an hour. So, <laughs> what are you reading? English ESV, English Standard Version. That's a wonderful version. It's fairly recent. I really like the ESV. Terry, what are you reading? New King James. Sam, NIV. Any other versions? Francisco, you got CEV. New Living Translation. I like the New Living. It's very readable. Okay. Anybody else? New King James? Okay. Well, I think I'm reading from New King James. It's got a cover on it, so I couldn't tell. But um, just follow along in your own version. Starting verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to Him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all of the host of them, by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap, he lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from the place of his habitation. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them, from, keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Let Your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in You. Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. Actually, my 
notes now and our slides are going to be from the New Living Translation. So that gives us a little, even a little bit more context. <clears throat> I want to pray first. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would help us to receive your word this morning and internalize these things and to respond to the challenges that you give to us and speak to us through this psalm. Ask your help, Lord, and your grace. And we can receive your word on good soil. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at, this is really a challenge. This psalm is a challenge to believers facing uncertain times. Do we live in uncertain times? We do, don't we? In fact, um, there are a lot of speakers, a lot of Christian leaders that are saying that the whole thing we went through with COVID and that we're still dealing with has, has really shook up the church in the United States in a good way. It's actually kind of broken through some of that sleepiness, spiritual sleepiness, and is waking God's people up. So I'm thankful for that. It was a pain in the you-know-what, but it was also something God used. So this is a challenge to believers facing uncertain times and the temptation to protect themselves and stop caring for others. That's a real tendency for us just to kind of get insulate and protect ourselves. So the first thing he's saying here is that God is worthy of our personal praise and worship, okay? And I'm going to read this from the uh, New LT, NLT. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord as it is fitting for the pure to praise Him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for Him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. So in our, in our own context here, instead of a lyre and a harp, what do we have? Yeah, guitars and piano, bass guitar, drums and stuff like that. So instruments have changed, but God's still calling us to use those things to worship Him. Now who does it say is supposed to worship God? Verse 1, godly people and pure. What happened, Dale? We froze up. So, so God is saying godly people are supposed to give worship and joy and pure people give our personal praise. So what's a godly person? Is that somebody that's just got it all together? Now, what's a godly person? Pardon? Yeah, someone who's putting God first. That's a very good definition, Bianca. And it's somebody who is walking daily, seeking and walking after Jesus. Okay, that's godly. Because our righteousness, remember, is not something that comes from our efforts. It's something that Jesus provides as a gift to you and me so that God looks at us through the lens of the blood of Christ and sees you and me as righteous all the time. In fact, 1 John, John says in 1 John chapter 1, 
that as we walk in the light, as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from sin. And I was a kid, I used to worry that if, if Jesus came and the rapture happened when I was in the movie theater, that I was not going to make it. And it, was for, it took me a number of years to realize that was kind of silly. Anybody else ever worried about those kinds of Just me, I'm sure. But uh, he says, as we walk. Now, walking can include stumbling, right? But when you stumble, the stumble is just a, an instant, and then you keep walking. So as you're walking, in other words, you are, you are living a life in which you have an attitude of faith as you walk with the Lord, and He sees you, and you know He sees all your weaknesses and faults. We sang about that in that, that song, So Will I. That God continues to wash you with His precious blood. Isn't that an amazing gift? That we can live in a place of confidence in God's favor and acceptance, not because of what we do, but because of the blood of Jesus. And this is such an important thing for every new believer and some of us older believers that we really get this, that God never looks at us with, with disfavor. He never looks at us to reject us. He's not like an overbearing father who just wants to beat his kid because they tick him off. But God the Father sees us constantly through the eyes, of the blood, through the blood of Jesus. He sees us as being righteous. Even though the gap between the way He sees us and our actual living is really big, and hopefully as we walk with Him, the gap gets smaller as Jesus works out His righteousness in our lives. But the way the Father sees us never changes. There's a song out just recently by Maverick City that says, we could never be more loved than we are right now. Think about that. I love the song. If you heard it, it's just an awesome song. Yeah. Did you say something? Okay. You can never be more loved, Troy, than you are right now by God. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to get stuck here if I don't move forward. The, the second verse there talks about singing a new song. Back up one slide, please, Dale. Sing a new song of praise to Him. What is a new song? Is it the latest hit on the radio or your iTunes? No. A new song is a song that you are given fresh from God. It's a song that you, in a sense, compose. And it's assuming that you guys are all singing to God. Did you know that the Scripture commands us to sing? Did you know that? How many of you go, you don't want to hear my voice? <laughs> it's not, nothing to be, nothing to be uh, in, done in public. You know, that's okay. As I mentioned the other day, some voices, a friend of mine said, are only good for cooling soup. But God says that He calls us to, to make a joyful sound to the Lord, not a perfect song. And God loves, He says in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, I think it is, that I love to hear your voice. Can you say that to the Lord? Lord, you love my voice. 
You love my song. So, how many of you guys can sing in the car when there's nobody else listening? Okay, good, good. I saw, I saw that, Troy. So, the Lord's challenging you to sing a new song to Him. And that new song comes from a new experience in God. When God does something for you, like meets a, a need that you thought, I'm never going to be able to pay this bill, or God's, God rescues you from a car, potential car accident, or someone forgives you that you thought they'd never forgive you and you never hit that, that relationship fixed, something God does for you is a new experience, an answer to prayer, that's the time to sing a song of praise to God. And you can do it in your car, you can do it in the shower, but I want to challenge you, up your prayer life a little bit. Sing a new song. Make up a new song of praise to the Lord. Sing it in your car. Some people, when they make up a new song, man, we want to sing that here in church because they're, they're amazing. But most of us just have an ordinary song that doesn't necessarily rhyme or doesn't necessarily fit the tune or it's not on key. But God says, that is, a pray, that is a joy for me. I love that sound. So those of you guys that go, I am not a musician, this is for you, as well as the music, musical types. It's just easier for the musical types. Okay, second, second slide. So some questions here. And if you have the handout, you have these questions on the handout. And I encourage you to make this a devotional this week or fill out the answers as you go today. There's pens in the baskets in the front and the back and if you need a pen. But I encourage you, this is how you make this real in your life. When people just hear sermons and go home and forget about what they heard, what do you think God thinks about that? It's really not taking God seriously. And plus, you don't believe apparently the pastor is listening to God at all either if you're not taking his words that God's giving him seriously. So I encourage you to to use these tools that I'm giving you. So how does your, what does your praise life look like? These are these questions. In your life, when you get, who do you give value, honor, and respect to? I'm talking about answering that question on the natural level. Do you give value, honor, and respect to your grandfather or your parents, your boss, your coach? So what has God done for you that is worthy of praise? And then the last questionnaire, are you a mouth-only worshiper or do you show and tell? A lot of people that when they worship, I think they probably have German heritage. I'm just kidding. I'm Norwegian and, and a little bit of German too, so I can tease myself. But they just stand like this and they worship and they sing, they mouth the words a little bit if they do that. God's calling us to express value and worship and honor to Him. And I mentioned it last week, if you go to a football game or a soccer game or whatever and you, your favorite team is playing and, things, and they make a touchdown or a goal, do you just sit there and go, oh, cheers? Or do you go, yes! Something like that. That's expressive praise. Isn't God more worthy than your favorite team? And worthy of praise? I think we need to loosen up a little bit and be free to worship God. Thank you. A little feedback here. A little expression. Thank you. Okay. 
So what's the reason for our praise? The next slide. Because of, first of all, because of who He is. The person of God is so incredible when you begin to see who that is, see who He is, you just can't stop giving Him praise and value because of His heart. And we see some things about His heart here. It says, for the word of the Lord holds true, which means what? He keeps His promises to you and to me. Do you value somebody keeping promises to you? Boy, I do. The second thing it says, and we can trust everything He does. How many people that you can say that about? We can trust everything He does. Is it, do you value being able to trust God with your life, with your future, with your kids, with your grandkids, your possessions, your house, your job? We can trust everything He does. And that also means that when God does things that we don't understand, when He allows things to happen we don't understand, some of us, that's what happened with this last election. I don't understand. But we can trust Him in everything He does. He's not finished yet. He's got a long game going. I don't want to get into the politics. It's so easy. I'm so tempted. <laughs> Third thing. He loves whatever is just and good. How many of you ever said to God, God, bring justice here. Why are you letting these people get away with this? Let me fill you in on something. He's not. His timing is different than ours. But nobody is going to get away with anything in the long run. Sometimes He allows things to go on to test us whether we're going to trust Him. But His heart is just and good. We sing that song, The Goodness of God, a lot. And that's because we want it to sink in. God is good. That's His primary good, loving, caring God. We only see the disciplinary side of Him when we do something that will offend Him and hurt Him and when we hurt other people that He loves. Then we see Papa get out the paddle. And we do that, us fathers have to do that too. If you let your kids, you never correct your kids as they're growing up, you just let them do whatever they want to do, what are you going to end up with? Monsters! If you love your kids, you correct them. And we're told that in Scripture in Hebrews. And the last line on this, pa this passage, uh, this verse, these two verses, the unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. Fills the earth. That's God's best and truest heart, is love. He is a loving God. Have you ever thought about what would happen, what it would be like if our God didn't love? What this planet would be like? Well, all you've got to do is go and look at a place where Satan is actually influencing, and you'll see what it would look like. But our God, thank God, He is a God of love. I am so thankful for that. Next reason that we give for worshiping God is that He is creator of all. He is creator of all. And I love this. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word 
and all the stars were born. Isn't that cool? We just sang that song, eight billion stars or whatever. If the stars can worship him, so will I. And all the stars were born, it appeared at his command. I just love passages like this because what are our, our school systems, our public school systems are teaching us that we are all the, the result of random accidents of evolution. That's what we are being taught. Our kids are being taught that in their classes. And that we as parents have got to stand up and teach them what the Scripture teaches, what the Scripture tells us. And here's just a great instance of that. God spoke and it was created. It was not accidents of evolution. It was very clearly intentional design. So if you have kids in public school, you need to make sure you ask them, what are you learning in your biology class or whatever science class about creation? We just had a, uh, some people did a uh, seminar in, in Scotts Bluff just a few days ago. I, don't, I think some of our family, I think the Howards were able to go down to that. Did you guys get to go, Chris and Katie? Yeah, it's just somebody, it just doesn't fit all our schedules, but I understand that was a, a, um, a creation versus evolution type of a thing there. There are so many good materials available now, and more and more evidence is coming forth that supports things like the flood and so on. So encourage you, if you have questions about that, we've got great resources available. Um, our youth leaders... Uh, Jennifer and Francisco have been very challenged because the teenagers that they're working with have been so, um, what's the word? Not, I guess, brainwashed in a sense, but they've been taught that you're an idiot if you believe that God created the world. They are taught that because we are simply random accidents, so there's really no moral law that has any authority, so people can do things like Hitler did, because who's to say Hitler was wrong? If there's no standard in the universe, if there's no God, then who's to say what's right or wrong? Okay. The result of that, of these things, that God is creator, is that He is to be feared. You know, the fear of the Lord is something that we in the Church of America are very foreign to and we need to increase in. We need to learn, as David said, learn the fear of the Lord. And in the fear of the Lord, let me just read the passage. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. So what does fear mean? Go to Dale, go to a couple slides forward if that thing's working. So what does fear mean? Does fear mean that we're supposed to be afraid of God? No, it doesn't. How many of you have, uh, were raised with a father who wasn't afraid to discipline you when you needed it? My dad used the belt in particular. <laughs> and did, did you fear your dad when you did something bad? Oh yeah, I did. Boy. But Normally, were you afraid of your dad? No, your dad is loving, caring, nurturing. But when you did something bad and you blew it, you needed to be afraid. 
If you cheat on your taxes, are you afraid of the IRS? Should you fear the IRS? You should. And this is not talking about being afraid of God. It's talking about fearing the one who is, has all authority and can do anything he desires. And that's why we need to fear the Lord. I love this picture. Um, the next slide. My friend, Pastor Leroy, he's actually one of my supervisors. He's ripping that tree down, as you can see. And uh, <laughs> Pastor Leroy's, uh, he's, his, his actual new title is the integrator for our Nebraska network, which means that he's actually one of the chief administrators, and he also handles all the credentialing for ministers. And he's just an awesome guy. He's a pastor in our Scott's Bluff uh, First Assembly Church. He and his wife are wonderful people. But um, he's also very strong, as you can see. So, but notice there in this passage, it talks about love assigning boundaries and locking things up. What James Dobson called, Dr. Dobson calls tough love. How many of you parents go, yeah, there were times I had to give my kids boundaries because I love them. Because I knew that if they went outside the boundaries, it was going to bring destruction to them. You know, we look at the Ten Commandments sometimes, or people do, in a way that we think, oh, God is just so, He's just all about rules. He's just about limiting us and restricting us. But how many of you know that God gave us commandments to protect us so that we can have the fullest measure and quality of life? His commandments are not grievous, as it says in 1 John. It says, but they are actually free us to enjoy true freedom, which is being able to live and walk in righteousness. Let's keep going. I love this next one. Resisting him is futile. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. Getting going to get political here for a minute. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. So, first of all, why do you sometimes resist God? It says it's futile to resist him. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. So before we look at nations, let's look at ourselves. Are my plans going to happen if they're going contradictory to what God wants? No way. So how do you feel when you realize God often thwarts national, other nations or our nation leaders' plans? Isn't it comforting to know that if a, if a leader is plotting to do something that God can stop it? Boy, I'm so thankful. Um, I'm concerned about a lot of the changes the current administration in Washington, D.C. is doing, directions they are going, when it comes to the value of the unborn, the preborn, when it comes to uh, church and Christians being able to live and have religious freedom, when it comes to our schools, what's being taught, when it comes to gun and, and rights for us to carry arms to protect ourselves, there's a whole lot of areas 
that they are trying to bring massive change to. When it comes to our borders being protected against the enemies of our, of our land, against cartels moving in and establishing in our nation. And so those things are actively being pursued. This passage of Scripture should comfort you when it says that God will thwart all their schemes. He frustrates the plans of the nations. I pray that those are the plans that God's going to frustrate. Now, sometimes God allows things to happen for a season, for His purpose, His reason. Sometimes He wants, to, wants the enemy to, to overshow His hand, to, to actually show us what his heart, where His heart really is, so that we can see that and go, oh, that's what they were wanting to do. And the next election, we can vote differently, maybe, some of us. In these shaky times, how does knowing God's plans will not be shaken help you face the future? And then the last question is this trick one. In whose nation is God the Lord? Is He the Lord of the United States? You guys are really quiet. <laughs> is Jesus Lord in this country? On one level, he is. Yes, he is. Is he in the Lord of the majority of the people of this nation? Do you think so? Yeah. It's not, it's looking like things are shifting, isn't it? There are, um, it seems like each succeeding generation of young people, uh, they're being more and more deeply affected by the spirit of this world. That's why we need to really pray and pour into our young people because they've got, they've got a real enemy out there that is trying to take them down and ruin their lives, ruin their marriages when they get married, ruin their faith. So we need to continue to cry out, Lord, bring us back as a nation. Bring revival. Bring godly leadership back to the United States. We also know that Israel is a nation that belongs to the Lord, but the majority of the Jewish people at this time don't, don't trust Jesus as Messiah. In fact, they've got some pretty crazy views. However, there, this is a time in history where there is more revival happening and more Jewish people being saved and trusting Jesus as Messiah than any time in their past. So that's exciting. We can pray into that and go, go God, go. Brooke and I were just uh, lamenting over the fact that the, I think the 20th biggest website on Facebook was just taken down by Facebook, which is called Standing with Israel. It was a real low blow. And uh, it, Facebook, obviously, their values are not to support Israel. And uh, apparently, I guess that they took, they took that website down. And um, need to be praying for them. But uh, praying for the people that sponsored the website. It was a website out of Texas. So we do need to stand with Israel in our prayers. Israel, of course, is as not as pre predominantly secular nation right now. is not a godly nation by and large, but God is moving there powerfully. And those are His people, and He's going to bring them back to Him. We read that clearly in Scripture. He's not done with them. So we need to continue to keep Israel in prayer. Okay. And then this part, I love this. Um, 
Oh, there was a couple. There's a slide with the owl on it. I wanted to look at that real quick. Oh, before that, I'm sorry, Dale. Watching me, watching you. The Lord looks down, verse 13, looks down from heaven and sees the whole, slide 12, sees the whole human race from his throne. And he observes all who live on the earth. He, makes, he made their hearts, and so he understands everything they do. So who is God looking at? Everyone. God is observing, watching everyone. Is he watching us like a whack-a-mole game where you, you wa wait for the thing to pop up so you can whack it with a hammer? No. God's watching us to see if we're going to respond to his goodness, to his grace. And when we do, then he starts to give us favor and starts to work on our behalf. So the question is on the next slide of the owl, are you living your life before the face of God? Are you living your life recognizing he's looking at you? And are you looking back to him? Are you including him in your conversations in your heart? Jesus is calling us to be more than just people who believe something. He's calling us to be people who walk with him, who consider ourselves his followers, his disciples. And again, I encourage you, if you've not done it, to download the Chosen app on your phone so you can watch the Chosen anytime you want for free. It's free, completely free. And it takes you all of about 10 seconds to do. The Chosen app, is you can just search for that in your, under your search for apps. But it, is, it will impact you because you get to walk with Jesus' disciples day in and day out as you watch those. We just, Brooke and I just watched the episode five of season two a few days ago and we got some questions and and it's really we're, we're kind of arguing about some things about it. it they're controversial in a couple ways and uh but it's very impacting okay next slide slide 14 sorry technology and weapons are not going to save you or your nation this is a really interesting um couple verses that david says he says the best equipped army cannot save a king. Nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save you. So, notice here he's, he's looking at it from a, a national level, then an individual level. And then he's, he's looking at a specific situation where we trust in a certain technology. So if you were to translate that from war horse to modern technology, what would you maybe say don't trust in? Internet, okay, good. About weapons. About national weapons. How many of you saw Michael Alvarado just went down... Or his son, they commissioned a brand new um, frigate, I think it is. It's an amazing, very modern looking uh, warship on the East Coast. Mike was just down there. His son is, uh, I'm not sure what rank he is in the Navy, but um, beautiful ship. This ship is so high tech. It has cloaking capabilities to where people can't see it when it's in the water, at least not very easily. It's got missiles, it's got torpedoes, it's got everything. It's got probably lasers, I don't know. 
but it's, it's just high-tech. Our nation has probably still an edge in the sense that we have the most um, high-tech, cutting-edge weapons in the world. Now, China is right there with us, and Russia is right there with us, and there are other nations trying to, to get there. But how many of you realize this morning that it's not going to be our weapons and technology that save America from extinction? It's not going to be. Sure, God can allow our nation to use those and to protect ourselves, but it's really going to be where we put our hope and our trust. It's not going to be in putting hope and trust in weapons and weapon systems and so on, or our personal weapons. It's not going to be that I've got a pistol and a shotgun and a rifle in my closet that make me able to say, I am protected. Is it? No. In fact, um, Brooke's daddy, who passed away a few weeks ago, always used to say to us, most people who have a gun don't really have the will to use it when they needed to, and it gets taken away from them and used on them in many cases. He was a policeman for 30 years. It's really true. But the Lord is saying here, this is all about who you really trust. So what can save you? Yeah, putting your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so I shouldn't have something to protect my loved ones with in my closet? Yeah, I agree. There's nothing wrong with having things to protect your family with. In fact, the scripture indicates very strongly in Nehemiah that you need to be willing and able to protect your loved ones with whatever you can. And uh, so, but the key is there's a difference. There's kind of like a line between having that and being willing to use it if you need to with God's help versus trusting in it, putting all your eggs in that basket. I'm going to trust God because I've got a fortress and I've got a, uh, an arsenal in my house. And so what about, does this mean that our country shouldn't have the best weapon systems? No, no. We, we want our country to be as able as possible to defend ourselves, defend our borders. We're not doing that, but, but we could do it. And we want to have a strong army. We want to have the things we need. But we also want to make sure that we are trusting God first and that we are um, using those things the way the Lord would want us to use them. Okay? So as we go on, just as we close here in just a moment, certain kinds of people get God's attention. You go to, here we go. Let's read verse 18 and 19. But the Lord watches over those who fear Him. Okay? This is a contrast. He's going, but, or so, but the Lord watches over those who fear Him. He's saying, you're not going to trust, don't trust in your horse, which could be likened to your tank or your armored car or your Humvee. You know, it's a, it's a personal, mobile technology. He says, don't trust in that, but the Lord watches over those who fear Him. That's that word fear again. 
respect him. Those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. So the next slide, who does God watch over? There's two, two kinds of people that were in that verse. Those who fear him and those who rely or trust in his unfailing love. Do you believe God is going to come through for you if you trust him? Reliance means you're putting weight, you're leaning on him, okay? So what are the two benefits for people that do that? In verse 19, he rescues them from death and keeps them alive in famine. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? So death means you don't need to be afraid you're going to lose your life. You can put your life in God's hands. And the second part is, is that famine indicates the economy has gone to the, in the tanks, um, that there's probably sickness going around, those kinds of things. When there's famine, it's basically a situation where everybody's life is threatened. And it says that we don't have to worry about that if we rely on God and fear Him. Fear Him means we put Him first. We do not put anything, we don't rely on anything else. We put Him first. He is the one that we stand in awe of. And, and that's pretty much what David says in this next, next slide. But we must choose Him and commit our ways to Him if we want this to be the case. And in verse 20, he says, We hope, put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. There's four things that we have to do there. If we want that kind of protection, want to be able to live in that place of safety and security, these have to be true of us. That we've put our hope. Hope means we put our future in, in, in God's hands. Help and shield. Help means He's going to assist us. Shield means He's going to protect us. A shield is something that stops attack against you like arrows. In Him our hearts rejoice. That comes back around to our personal worship and praise life. We don't rejoice in something unless it's something we really believe is real. And then it's kind of encapsulated, summarized, and we trust in His holy name. His name is indicative of His person, His character, everything about Him that is true. So is this true of you this morning? Or do you need to renew your commitment to Him? That is He your future? Is He your reliance? Is He the one you express your value and love to? And is He your confidence? So, the last verse is a prayer. And I'm asking that we would pray this. Let's pray this out loud to the Lord, okay? Can everybody see it? Let's say this to the Lord out loud right now. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in You alone. Let's say that one more time. Let your unfailing love surround us, O Lord, for our hope is in you alone. 
Amen. Thank you, Lord. This morning, if you feel like you're not quite there, as far as really in that place of putting God first, I want to encourage you to come up and spend a few moments in prayer at the altar. We have people here who would be glad to pray with you and help you if that's a need. Or pray, pray for you if you need healing, if you need answered prayer, any in any level. We want to do that. So I just want to ask the Lord's blessing as we go and encourage you to stay and get prayed for if you need prayer. So, Father, thank you this morning for your goodness. Thank you for the power of your word. David just nailed it, and this psalm really fits us perfectly. And we just thank you. I pray that this would stick with us. It would stick in our ribs like oatmeal does in the morning. Lord, I pray that we would internalize the truths of your word. We would put you first. We would, you would be our hope and our trust and our confidence now, Lord, we could handle the things that you give us without them becoming God to us, but they could keep their proper place. And I just thank you so much for your people, and I ask you to bless them this afternoon as they go in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way,